He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we ask you as we do week by week to be here with us in this place and we trust that you are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Christmas time is one of the only times where we get actual mail in the mail that we like to open. Um, I always love to open a letter, and I was struck this week as I read Paul's opening to his letter to the Ephesians that he begins in just about the best way a letter recipient could ever hope for. He greets the Ephesians as faithful co-workers in the Lord's vineyard. I have heard, he says, of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. Who wouldn't want to get a letter that started like that? These sound like wonderful disciples of Jesus Christ, servants of the Lord. Paul has heard of their faith. Their faith is noteworthy. And that's the the vertical plane, right? Their relationship to the Lord. He's heard of their faith, but he's also heard of their love toward the saints. This is the horizontal between them and their neighbors. They love God and they love each other. They've got it all handled. Both directions, they're doing great. I would love to get such a letter. But do you know what I would actually do if I got a letter that started like that? I would, I would check the addressee to make sure that it was sent to the right place. He's, he's heard of my faith and love. That doesn't sound like me. And you know what? It doesn't actually always sound like the Ephesians either. In chapter 4 of this same letter, he will say to them, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. You were taught in him to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul greets the Ephesians as these seemingly perfect disciples who love God and who love their neighbor so well, in fact, that he's heard about it from afar. And then in the same letter, begs them to live a life worthy of the calling to which they have been called. And the implication is clear, right? They're not living such a life. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have to beg them to start. And of course, it's not just the Ephesians either. This is widespread. St. Paul does the same thing when he writes to the Corinthians. First, he greets them. To the church of God that is in Corinth. To those sanctified 
in Christ Jesus. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and knowledge, and that you are not lacking any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, these saints are not lacking in any spiritual gift. But then a few chapters later, St. Paul says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not even tolerated by pagans. For a man has his father's wife. So there are two things happening at the same time, right? St. Paul is treating these people as though they are holy saints of God. And he's treating them as if they're appalling sinners who are doing terrible things. And of course, Paul talks about himself in the same way. He says that it is no longer he who is alive, but Christ who lives in him. And he also calls himself the chief of sinners. So which is it? Good or bad? Holy or unholy? Of course, the theological answer is the counterintuitive one. People are both things at the same time. And it's not just the Ephesians. And it's not just the Corinthians. It's not just Paul. It's all of us. And this rubs our natural humanist human minds the wrong way, doesn't it? thinking of, and I'm sure that you have had this same experience of politicians or celebrities or athletes who sort of build up this positive edifice of feeling in our minds, and then they do something to ruin it. And we say, oh, I thought so-and-so was a good person, but then they did this thing, so I guess they must be bad. I remember a time in college when this happened with Britney Spears, who, who saw that reference coming? <laughs> this is before shaved head Kevin Federline Britney Spears. This is, oops, I did it again, cute girl next door Britney Spears. Uh, there was a time before Kevin Federline when Britney Spears was a professing Christian who told a fan magazine that she wasn't going to sleep with her boyfriend, Justin Timberlake, because she was saving herself for marriage. We Christians loved Britney Spears for this. She was good. But then, she slept with Justin Timberlake. And we all thought to ourselves, and actually at that time said to each other, well, I guess she wasn't good after all. We even thought, I guess she wasn't actually a Christian. Right? Because Christians are good, not bad. And Brittany had turned out to be bad. We couldn't see Brittany Spears like Paul sees the Ephesians or the Corinthians or himself. In other words, we couldn't see Brittany Spears like the Bible sees us. We see the world as good or bad, not both, one or the other. An athlete, for instance, who can't seem to win it all is a loser. Check out all the talk shows. A loser who can't get it done in the clutch. But then if they ultimately do win, they become a champion who overcame all the odds. They were a loser. Now they're a champion, good or bad, not both. We can't handle the truth. 
which the Bible claims is that we Christians are two things at the same time, good and bad, holy and unholy. Martin Luther said that we are simul justus et peccator, if you want to brag to your friends with your Latin, uh, simul justus et peccator, at the same time justified and sinner. This is why Paul can thank God for the ways in which the Ephesians evince their love for God and their love for neighbor, and at the same time implore them to live lives worthy of the calling to which they have been called. We are just like them, two things at the same time. So, what does what Paul says to the Ephesians have to say to us today? Well, I want you to look with me for a moment at how it is that Paul cajoles the Ephesians. How is it that he tries to get them to live a life worthy of the calling to which they have been called? This is what he says to them. That is not the way you learned Christ. You were taught in him to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through sinful desires, to be renewed, to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is a little bit hard to think about what to do, put off your old self and put on a new self. What Paul is really doing here is reminding the Ephesians of who they really are now. Remember, he might be saying, you have been made new. In chapter 2, he'll ask them to remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And this is a recurring theme for him. In both Romans and Galatians, he'll tell those churches that they, like him, should remember that the old them is no longer even alive. Now, he says, it is Christ who lives in them. So, should they keep sinning, he asks? Of course not, he answers his own question. The sinful you is dead. Remember that you are alive. Or, he might just say, remember how I greeted you at the beginning of this letter. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. This is the gospel, the good news. God's way of adopting us is by his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved, in Jesus Christ. We have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Faith is accepting that, accepting that justification, salvation, 
comes by God's graceful action to you. And sin, as opposed to faith, might be described as the search for salvation outside of God. The effort to save yourself rather than the reliance on the grace and mercy of God. Acting like God isn't there or isn't inclined or able to keep his promises. In Paul's words from Ephesians, it's acting like a Gentile when you are a chosen child of God. For a Christian, like the Ephesians or the Corinthians or like you, it's the search for a salvation that you already have. It's forgetting who you really are. I will now read to you a very short news item headlined, Missing Woman Mystery Solved. Here is the news story in full. A group of tourists spent hours Saturday night looking for a missing woman near Iceland's Elja Canyon, only to find her among the search party. The group was traveling through Iceland on a tour bus and stopped near a volcanic canyon. Soon there was word of a missing passenger. The woman, who had changed clothes, didn't recognize the description of herself and joined in the search. But the search was called off at about 3 a.m. when it became clear that the missing woman was in fact, accounted for and searching for herself. (laughs) Paul, in order to call the Ephesians and the Corinthians and you to live lives worthy of the calling to which you have been called, tells them and you that you are searching for something you already have. The salvation that you are searching for is already yours. In Christ, you are in fact searching for yourself. And why would we be searching for ourselves? Because, and here's the kicker, the really hard part, because even as Christians, we so often don't recognize ourselves. Paul's description of beloved, redeemed, Christians whose faith and love is noteworthy doesn't sound like us. We're told that we are clothed in Jesus' own righteousness and that when God looks at us, he actually sees his son. We are told that we are credited Christ's goodness and that we are regarded as good because of his accomplishments for us. And that there is absolutely nothing we have done, are doing, or will ever do to deserve it. But we think, that doesn't sound like us. We check the addressee to make sure this letter is sent to the right place. We know ourselves too well. We know the dark corners of our minds and the deep recesses of our hearts. We are so used to thinking in Black or white terms, good or bad terms, Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake terms. That when we fall or fail or sin or find a crack in our faith, we sigh and figure we must not have been very good after all. Or maybe not any good at all. God couldn't really love a bad person like us. 
And so we join the search party, never suspecting that it is we ourselves we think is lost. The Icelandic chief of police said the woman hiker, quote, had no idea that she was missing. And the reason she had no idea? She was not missing. And neither are you. Two things are true of you at the same time. You are not bad or good. You are bad and good. You are redeemed. And yet you are human. You are at the same time justified and a sinner. And when you fall into sin, joining a search party to seek your justification, to seek your salvation, isn't the answer. You're not missing. You never were. Simply return again to the good news. The reformers called this, this is more Latin for you, ad fontis, back to the source, back to the fount. Come to church, go to the scriptures, pray, be reminded of your actual identity, who you really are. One who has been brought close by the blood of Christ. That is who you are. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. He blessed you. He chose you. You are holy and blameless before him on account of Jesus Christ. His grace is freely bestowed on you through the finished work of his beloved son. So hear this word of comfort from another of Paul's letters, this one to Timothy. This is a true saying, he says, and worthy of all to be received. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Hear that word and all the other words and remember and rest assured. You'll never have to find and save that person. You are not lost. Believe that. You are not lost. Almighty God in Christ has found and saved you. Amen.